Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. Do you ever get going on some tangent in the hobby and just keep researching something that you either have a hunch about or just become flat out obsessed with? Well, I have just such a strange obsession going on. It has to do with live-bearing fishes, specifically ones from blackwater habitats. Yeah, I have no idea what my obsession with this is, and I, I just can't let go of the idea of some wild library somewhere that can be found in a naturally occurring you know, blackwater habitat. If you're a fan of this podcast and blog, and I know a couple of you might be, you're well aware of my absurd obsessions by now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as you know, uh, other than some guppies or the occasional molly, I've never been a big live bearer guy. And I have nothing against them. I just haven't kept them in recent years. In fact, I can scarcely even identify anything other than the big three, you know, guppies, mollies, and platies. Really, I mean, maybe a gambusia or some others, but... Oh, irrelevant fact, I did have Zuganecticus tequila once, though. I got it in an auction. Um, I, I don't know why, but I just ended up... It was an auction or a raffle or something. And, um, you know, I kept it and finally gave it away to somebody that actually knew what they were doing. It was a neat little fish, but I just didn't know enough about it. I found out they were endangered, and I was like, oh, this is not good. You don't want to be keeping this fish because you need to get it in the hands of someone that's working with it. Anyway, that was my little side thing. Um, but this obsession I have is really strange and I can't let it go. Like, why am I so obsessed about these fishes that I'm not obsessed with? Well, maybe I am, right? Yeah, blackwater live bears. I know that there have been transplanted species that have been found in all sorts of places around the tropical world, but I'm still trying to find examples or an example of a species native to a blackwater habitat. I don't care if the fish is gray, chromatically uninspired, or just plain dull. I think that it would be cool to find one that could be biologically appropriate for one of our blackwater botanical style tanks. Now, do you think I'm being childish or unreasonable about this? I don't know. I mean, maybe, perhaps, but, you know, a long time ago, I gave up this fantasy of there being, you know, a, a bright red, you know, black ghost knife fish that was a dwarf species that was only, you know, maximum of three inches. And I made peace with the original variety. So I think I'm good with the universe at this point. Why can't I have a blackwater live bear, right? <laughs> okay, it's an interesting obsession, I have to say the least. Now, one of the things I learned a long time ago in doing some of the necessary homework on such an endeavor is that you inevitably stumble on some fishes that you either think are viable candidates only to just be schooled by fish base experts or other references that sort of dash your hopes along the way. And it was no different and has been no different with this search. However, rather than utilize only like hobbyist level resources, which are not bad, but this time... I went to the dusty halls, metaphorically, of the scholarly ichthyological world. You know, uh, it's important. Remember my previous searches for that half-mythical Amazon molly, the fish with that most tantalizing name? I researched the living shit out of it, only to find out that the Amazon part of the common name was simply because of its unique reproductive strategy. had nothing to do with its natural range. That was a bummer. That took the metaphorical air out of my tires, as they say. And I don't come up too disappointed um, very often, and I didn't come up disappointed this time. I actually found some genera, which may actually be non-coastal confined, non-brackish water uh, fishes, which might work. It's a start, at least. Now, lest you get too excited that there is some super colorful live bear out there, which lives in black water and has somehow evaded the hobby and all of the famous live bear experts for the last century, let me just tell you, Fellman has not found it. I'm going to burst your bubble right away. Now, most of these fishes are, in no particular order, gray, not typically found in the aquarium hobby, 
really obscure. And oh, did I say gray? Yeah, that being said, I have a few that do intrigue me for some reason. My first target genus is Fluviophylax, which contains five described species, not one of which anyone who is not a native fisherman, a lifetime member of the American Library Association, or doesn't have the letters P, H, and D after his na- or her name, has even heard of, let alone seen. These are really interesting fishes, distinguished by really large, at least relative to their body size, almost creepy-looking eyes, the absence of a gonadoponium in the males, and the usual lack of color seemingly common to pretty much every obscure fish in the world. (laughs) Despite the creepy eyes and the complete lack of anything resembling color, they're tantalizing to me because the genus is apparently endemic to the Amazon and Orinoco region, including habitats like, you know, swamps, lakes, and floating meadows. Appropriately, the first species listed in the genus is Fluvophylax obscurum, which drew me in from the start. I mean, that name is awesome. And its native range, it's listed as the Upper Rio Negro Basin. Ooh, that's interesting, right? Of course, that's a big geographic area. And just because it's in the region doesn't mean it's all decomposing leaves and bark and soupy water. That being said, some reference, ha- you know, some references I found have it listed pretty far inland, well into, you know, Blackwater country. And uh, that I find very interesting. Now, Mattingly, no reference I could find to any of the type localities mentioned the specific water chemistry of the collection sites. I don't know why that drives me crazy. Sometimes you just don't see it. However, one cool thing I did discover is its diet, which always makes me smile. It's described as autochthonous microalgae and detritus and allochthonous invertebrates. Well, we all know what that means, right? Food from outside the ecosystem, insects and stuff that falls in. Yeah, music to my ears again. Gotta get me some of these. Now, interestingly, I was told by some people that are definitely in the know that fluvophylax is actually considered an egg-laying killifish. So I don't know if my information was flawed or misinterpreted. It wouldn't be the first time, of course. But I may have to, you know, take this one out of the library category for all I know. And of course, one hardcore scientific paper I stumbled on provided all sorts of chromosomal analytics and stuff way over my metaphorical pay grade. But I couldn't even clarify that fact. In fact, the discussion section included this amazing line. All species but the type Fluvophylax pygmaeus have been described in the late 1990s and much remains unknown about the biology, taxonomy, and systematics of this group of fishes. That was helpful, right? Yeah. Regardless, it's an unusual species of cyprinodont, whatever it is, whether it's a live bearer or egg layer or whatever. So maybe somebody has something out there on this. I don't know. My next candidate group has to be the genus Pamperoichthys. Now, this genus contains six described species, all of which look like, well, how can I say it? They look like butt-ugly wild mollies. Of course, 75% of the people outside the library geek community would immediately tell you that all wild mollies are kind of ugly. So I'm in good company, but I'm staying out of that debate. Now, interestingly, they are more closely linked to mollies than any other type of library. So even with my relative lack of knowledge about mollies, I actually made a kind of a good inference there. Maybe I'm on to something. They're true undisputed live bearers, which is cool. And the interesting part about these fishes is their range again. The genus name means fertile fish, which is interesting. But in addition to the Amazonian, uh, Orinoco, and Guyana region, its members are found in the Tapajos and the Xingu. These are habitats that, although not necessarily black water, are kind of in our softer acetic target range, ones we've talked about and played with before. So I'm getting closer, right? Now, one type locality mentioned for 
uh, one of the species, uh, it's called uh, P. hasmini, is the Paraguay River drainage. Also kind of close to what we're talking about, water-wise at least. The typical pH of the Paraguay River is between 5.8 and 7.4 in the upper part and 6.3 to 7.9 in the lower part of the river. So it's kind of like all over the place, but, you know, it's getting there. And of course, the Paraguay River ranges from being described as sediment-rich water to clear water. I mean, pics I've seen of this river look brown, but no exact mention of black water specifically as respects to the habitat of this fish in any of the research I've found thus far. Once again, ah. Now, then we have this species, Alfaro cultratus, which hails from Costa Rica, Panama, and Nicaragua and is supposedly found in creeks, streams, and other waters with an average pH of 6.8 and a hardness of around 5 degrees of hardness. It's a fish that is kept in the hobby and even has a common name, the knife live bearer. I'm not sure how it got that name, and I'm sure there's probably a great story behind it, but I don't know what it is. Maybe you do. Um, you know, I do know that a number of live bearer specialists who keep this fish absolutely swear that the species does better and looks better in Blackwater, which is kind of cool. Uh, so there is a, uh, you know, a potentially uh, a good link between this fish and Blackwater. And what's interesting to me is that it supposedly has these reddish highlights in the scales and the fins, which, well, if you, if you look at the picture of this fish, it's kind of gray. But it does have a certain look that would make it, you know, fit in with these kind of interesting environments that we play with. And could this be our baby? I mean, is this one that might actually be one that we're able to, to lock in on? Could be our best match yet. I mean, Fish Base has this intriguing passage about this species. Check this one out. Inhabits low, waters of low to moderate velocity between 0 and 300 meters of elevation, lives on, in creeks of more than 0 0.5 meters deep, in ditches and near shorelines of large rivers. Generally swims in small groups at a depth of 20 centimeters. Insectivorous. Wow, that was a bad one. Insectivorous, I should say. Man, did I have a... I didn't eat my, uh, my breakfast or whatever yet. That's my problem. Anyway, they young eat mainly aquatic insects and the adults feed on terrestrial insects. Well, that's kind of like what we are into, right? One collection locale was listed as a rapidly flowing rainforest stream. Intriguing, right? A perfect fit? Hell no. I mean, a rainforest stream could mean anything. Yeah. Okay, I thought this one was close. So I'm really trying to fit a square peg in a proverbial round hole, but it shows you the depth an obsessed guy will go to. The reality is that many of the live bears encountered in the trade and often in the wild were introduced from other areas. So because of their adaptable nature, you're likely to find them in a huge range of habitats, from brackish water, yes, to soft acetic water. However, it seems to me that most of the species come from more coastal locales, and the water might be colored through silt and mud as opposed to the black water, which is colored with leaves and botanicals and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, guys like me are fascinated with. And of course, inevitably, after all this tedious research, I've once again found that there are tons of cool, often obscure libraries that we can keep in brackish water aquariums, which is not the end of the world. All is not lost. There's something cool to think about there. Inevitably, though, some live bearer fan out there somewhere will have some tips for me, uh, and that's good. And likely there's somebody that also might kind of come across and say, hey, Thelman, stay out of this shit. You don't understand these fishes. Your research is flawed and you're fantasizing here. And look, it may be simply that there are no truly blackwater live bears. I mean, there are other similar fishes which could satisfy my obsession. 
you know, obsession with this stuff. You know, hello, Rivulus, killifish. But I have this thing about finding some live bears that will fill the profile here. Maybe you have a lead on some species that I haven't thought of. Maybe there's one like right in front of my face that I'm just completely missing. I mean, there's probably some guy or girl out there who's found a group of endlers or something that was released into a blackwater pool in Florida or something. But that's not what we're talking about here. We need something naturally found in this type of habitat. That This is where it comes from. Is one out there swimming contentedly in some tannin-stained blackwater somewhere in South America? Perhaps. Or perhaps not. Either way, it's been kind of fun looking through, you know, looking for something that likely doesn't really exist. It's kind of the fish geek stuff, you know, like this that makes you, well, a fish geek. Yeah, sure does. And I sure am a fish geek. Perhaps a stubborn, delusional, obsessed with the wrong thing one, but I'm a fish geek through and through. And I, and I own a company that sells twigs and nuts. That's pretty crazy, right? This is good. Yeah. But my advice to you is if you need it, be a geek. Follow your weird obsessions, whatever they might be, and don't be afraid to share them. Stay obsessive. Stay relentless. Stay curious. Stay diligent. Stay passionate. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tenant.